<laughs> oh, I can't wait now. I'm very excited. Maybe I can skip Ghostbusters 2 now and watch Reindeer oh, Games. Oh, God. a horrible Christmas movie. <laughs> well, because I try to get one bad one in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in Ghostbusters 2, that's a bad Christmas movie. It is movie. a bad You know, because yes. it's... But maybe I can replace it this year. I can shelf Ghostbusters 2. Like, you sit down. You're not invited to the party. And I'm going to take Reindeer Games. Well, I'm calling it now. Ten bucks says you go right back to Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> That's very likely. Hi, everybody. This is Bridget Nielsen. You're listening to Children of the Adams. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We're back. Thank you uh, for checking us out once again, or if you're here for the first time, thank you especially. You can find us on the web at adamsnerds.com. It's A-D-A-M-S nerds.com. You can also find us uh, on Instagram if you want. Twitter's pretty much accessible now, so we won't be there anymore. Uh, but hit us up the contact page of the website as well. Let us know your thoughts on the show or if you have anything to say to us, you know. We're there to listen. <laughs> good or bad. But I think on today's show, yeah, good or bad. I think today's show, we're, uh, we're going to deliver on what we said the last time. We're going to get into planes and trains and automobiles and just kind of see where all this, uh, where we yeah. go from here. I, so yeah, this, we, we decided to do this one because yeah, we're in the holiday season, right? So we just, we yeah. got done with Thanksgiving. We're, we're moving into the Christmas season here and this movie, I, I guess technically this falls more into the Thanksgiving realm, but I kind of feel like this, this is a all encompassing, you know, holiday from Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. It, it kind of fits because we're always traveling on stuff like, you know, on, on these holidays. So I think this is a relatable film for anybody out there. Yeah. It straddles the line in between Christmas and Thanksgiving a bit. It helps because it is a Thanksgiving movie because, you know, <laughs> because there's no real transition. It's as soon as it's the, it's November, Christmas decorations go up. So everything automatically has a Christmas feel to it. In November, what are you talking about, man? It, like around here, it's like September 30th, man. <laughs> It starts going up. October 31st at 4 p.m. I was like, get all this bullshit down. We got to start putting Christmas up. Yeah, it's insane. So, oh. Yeah. But boy. And this one, this is a a particular bit of an 80s classic here because this is a a proper John Hughes movie. And there's one, there's a few directors who could define a decade. John Hughes would be one of the names that would pop up for the 80s, arguably. So So John Hughes, he... I watched a lot of his films in the eighties. I mean, I mean, I can quote, you know, 16 candles, weird science. Yep. You know, the breakfast club. I mean, any of these Mm -hmm. things, I mean, I was probably, I was, I was definitely younger than the people portrayed vacation home alone. Fucking. Yeah. I mean, you just name it. Like I remember as a child, like probably as a seven year old, maybe six year old watching national lampoons vacation. Yep. You know, and you know, these sometimes I, I look back and I was like, man, was that appropriate for me at that age to to watch Definitely that? Because I mean, if you go back to any of John Hughes movies, you know, by today's standards, they, they a lot of people would have problems with what they would see in those films. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the teenage angst, the, the sex, the drugs, whatever it might be, uh, you know, people would probably have problems with it today. But it's it's a product of its time, and I love it. I, I think it's kind of, I, I feel like it's timeless. I know it's not timeless because of that reason, but to me, I could still go back and watch any of those films and just, like, you can turn off your brain and just laugh at the ridiculousness of it. But the, especially the vacation movies, those oh, are man. those are true non-thinkers. Well, at least at least the three, right? The first three. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, fair. You get to Vegas vacation, and I will. I just decide. That's a bit that much. That is, it is not yeah, that, that was well after John Hughes' time, so yes. that's not his fault. Yeah, and sadly, you know, John Hughes is no longer with us, which is really sad because I, like, 
I, I'm sure a lot of people out there would probably say, yeah, he didn't make like great films, but he made really good films. Um, Arguably made two of the most longstanding uh, beloved Christmas movies of all times with uh, Christmas Vacation and Home Alone. Absolutely. Oh, man. I mean, those are staples for most people in their households. Yeah. Like that mm-hmm. is for must sure. watch for, for people. And yeah. I, I include myself in that. I've, Every I, year. Yeah, I put, for sure. Like sadly as it is, like I know Home Alone is very like childish <laughs> film. But I will probably watch it over the Christmas holiday it's, because it's a it's fun not as childish movie. as what you'd recall watching as an adult. It's like, huh? There's, well, there's some jokes in here. I mean, there is, there is there's some adult stuff in there, which which you know, me as you know, a Generation Xer, I like that because there's still people out there that will still cater to me and still throw jokes that appeal to me and and the time right. frame that I live, I you know, grew up in. I know that pretty soon that's going to pass and I'm going to be you know the old person in the room, but. You know, that's what I love about that film. You know, it, that one feels timeless to me, you know, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the guy, for he was, a, he was a, you know, a visionary in filmmaking for his time, you know. And I, I, I guess I'm putting that in air quotes a little bit, you know, visionary. But he, he did, what he offered... It was very unique to the to what he he provided us, right? You know, it was, a, oh, it was yeah. a certain type of film that made us laugh at a certain age in our life, and we're able to do so probably for the rest of our lives. You know, we can still even watch still those. today. I mean, Ferris Bueller is it's another a one, timeless classic. Another one. I mean, like I can go back and watch that and just laugh. Like I, mm-hmm. like all those films I've seen so many times. Like I said, I could quote yeah. them. But over I, and over and over. I again. will still laugh at all the parts that are funny, you know. Oh, yep. Yeah, I, I absolutely love them. I adore it. That's like I said, that's the time frame that I grew up in, and I think that it would appeal. I mean, probably a younger generation now, a Gen Z or, or something like that, probably would go back and watch those films. Probably would enjoy it, but probably wouldn't have any of the appreciation, you know, for the no. you know, what those films are and what they were because they didn't grow up with them, right. But this is Damn, even the great outdoors and Uncle Buck, dude. This guy was a fucking was just a hit machine. Yeah, Jesus. it's almost like you could say like anything with John Candy in it or anything like that. Like he, yeah, he, he had, was involved somehow. The guy was amazing. I mean, apparently the guy could write scripts like like that. I mean, just in a in a blink. Apparently for planes, trains, he wrote this thing in four days. Jesus, really? Now I don't know if you've ever tried to write anything. I mean, just think back to college or anything like that. Any papers you tried to write, you know, it'd probably take you two weeks. I know it took me a long <laughs> right. time. I've I've what done they, uh... screenplays like short film screenplays. That took me weeks to even do something together. And that's like six pages. Can you imagine right. writing a full a full like length film, at least 120 pages? Right. At least ninety to 120 pages. And apparently this film was a lot longer than 120 minutes. So Oh yeah. There's 47 minutes they cut out of this thing. Yes. So can you imagine writing that in four days? It's insane. No. I don't know how the guy A minute and a half of animation takes like 10 pages of dialogue. I'm on like a page and a half over three years. It is insane (laughs) how the guy would write that much stuff. He must have been doing a lot of cocaine or something. (laughs) Something. Just sits in a typewriter and just doesn't blink until like, you know, there's a whole stack of paper next to him. Does kind of the Stephen King thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All work and no play, Jack the Dull Boy shit. That's right. Just goes right at it. But this one, by far, like, it's, I don't know if it's overlooked, I guess, in the John Hughes wide catalog of, of beloved movies, but it doesn't, 
you don't really hear it getting mentioned very much, like in the same breath of, of holiday movies as you do, like, you know, like Home Alone or, or something like that. And I think the reason for that is probably because it's not really a Christmas film. It's a Thanksgiving right. film. And if you kind of go back and look through the libraries of Thanksgiving films, you don't find a lot there, surprisingly. Yeah. There's there's not a lot there. All the holiday specials are like Halloween or Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. and they're mostly in the Christmas time. You know, like yeah. on all of my streaming services, I am just bombarded with different Christmas movies. Like it's, it's yep. insane. But when you're doing when you're doing a Thanksgiving thing, you're just like, oh, I, I don't see a lot. I guess people are watching football instead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this movie was. Uh... Yeah, it might be the only Thanksgiving movie, I think. Jesus. I can't. And I, I was young when I saw it, too. And I think part of the problem with this movie was is that maybe it doesn't have a broad appeal because it's fairly not a downer, but it it's a heavier movie. Like oh. like most of your holiday movies are very light and cheery. And there are some fantastic comedic movie or comedic moments in this movie. With John Candy and Steve Martin alone, I mean, that's that's a recipe for giggles, like basically all day long. And But both these guys, too, like they're pretty serious dramatic actors and they hit. Some very like not dark notes, but it gets somber. Well, it, it touches a lot of moments in this yes, movie. It, it touches, you know, some some critical things that people deal with during holiday seasons, right? I mean, this oh is, for sure. I mean, because this movie is all about Steve Martin trying to get home to his family. Yeah, and we and through this whole movie, we assume that John Candy is doing the same thing, right? Right. It's not until the end of the film, and I, I boy, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves if we're going to discuss this movie, but as it turns out. Yeah, John Candy doesn't have a family, and it gets yeah, it it touches on these these deeper issues of what we were probably dealing with back then, but are certainly dealing with with today's society. You know, it's 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 kind of a a uh, a universal issue that that we deal with today. So it yeah, you're right. It's it's a downer at the time, but it's also it, it lifts you up at the end though. Like I said, I, I'm, yeah. I don't want to spoil too much toward the end yet, but I mean, yes, it doesn't leave you on a somber note. It just kind of, you know, it's it's a it's a feel good movie, but it's a laugh ride along the way. Right. I, I guess in order to make the lighter moments like that much lighter, they have to get a little down. Like, so the movie starts out with Steve Martin is an, an ad executive named Neil Page. He's in New York City on a trip. He's trying to get back to Chicago. He's kind of jinxed by Phyllis Bueller's dad that he's not <laughs> going to make his flight back home. Another staple and in so, John Hughes films, too, by the way. Yeah, basically, yeah, the first Bueller dad. Uh, so we get what is essentially the opening scene of the movie is uh, is a foot race in between Steve Martin and and, un, and almost uncredited Kevin. I don't even know if he's credited in the movie, but Kevin Bacon and Steve Martin have a foot race, all trying to race for a cab, and that starts off the frenetic pace of the movie to where it's you know it's all forward motion from here. Well, it's like John Steve Candy gonna... who screws him right away. Like, like right. it's yeah, yeah. already screwed yeah. because he's the one who trips over his John Candy's uh, trunk. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he loses the cab that the one cab yep. that he's trying to get to because he's got to re- get to the airport within like twenty. Like I don't even know if it was possible for him to make the to get to the airport. Like I've never been yeah, to New York. Yeah, he has less than an hour to get to to JFK, the airport, right? Yeah, yeah, which which I imagine in New York it's probably wherever you are it's got to be like a two hour like drive in traffic, right? Even in nineteen eighty seven, yeah, yeah, they had to be st- just such a long uh, commute to get to that. Yeah, I mean you saw like just how crowded that street was, you know, because it looked like it was actually right. shot on the streets of New York. Yeah, it looked pretty busy. Yeah, like right, right in the middle of Times Square. It was really awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, so Steve Martin, he he obviously he gets to the airport late, uh, but it didn't really matter because there's a blizzard in Chicago, 
So as his plane gets diverted, and they end up in Wichita, can't like that. That's their first stop, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right there in Midcontinent Airport. I don't think they call yeah. it Midcontinent anymore, though. I think it's like Dwight Eisenhower Airport now. But oh, fancy. <laughs> yes. But anyway, yeah, uh, it takes me back because you know. Yeah. yeah. So um, as Neil is traveling, he has bumped into John Candy's character Del Griffith here and there, and Del Griffith is a shower curtain ring salesman traveling shower curtain ring salesman. <laughs> yes, so just... even for 1987, not. Maybe not an ideal gig, but I mean, you get you instantly get his personality. Like he's he, he's overpoweringly charming. You know what I mean? He he's always willing to crack a joke, and he's just he seems like a fun guy to be around, even if he's pretty aloof to how much uncomfortability he causes around him. He's very much that way. He is the person that everybody fears. In fact, I right. mean, this whole story is based on a real experience John Hughes had with somebody on a flight. Is it really? Yes. Like it's it's just kind of loosely based on that on experience a person he met who just kind of he didn't want to talk to kind of rub him the wrong way but you know had to kind of suffer through that and he took that right. and just built on that and said you know what if this person I had to just like stay with this person twenty four seven right what would happen yeah and that's the gist of the movie is that it, these two through through several different you know means and ways like along their trip is that Dell's a traveling salesman so it doesn't really seem to have a destination Neil is trying to get home and they always just end up together they end up stranded in the last hotel room in Wichita together uh, <laughs> you know they end up traveling a train together which the train gets not derailed but kind of derailed so they uh, they end up off t- together again like in they're just they're walking at one point they're even when he when Steve Martin tries to say look we need to go our own ways we're not getting anywhere right. you know it, it doesn't matter like fate continuously brings these <laughs> guys together right it just together. doesn't matter what happens it's like the traveling odd couple basically yes like Neil's a very kind of you know not uptight, but, you know, a very cautiously put together kind of, you know, reserved guy. And then, you know, John Candy's Dill Griffith is the exact opposite. Yeah, and it goes to one of these loose themes throughout this movie. I mean, it's, it's, it, the main theme here really is, you know, you, you have to kind of accept people for who they are. Yeah. And it, and it more leans towards Steve Martin's character because he's so just uptight about everything about him. Like, you know, he, yeah. you know, he's the kind of guy that would put the napkin down and on a, on a toilet seat or something like that. I mean, just, just the real craziness where, where Dell Griffith, you know, John Candy's character is just a free fall. He just, he doesn't care. He will eat anything. He will smoke. He doesn't care what people think about him. He's just kind of a right. nice guy, but he doesn't have real self-awareness of what he's actually doing or what, how he's affecting other people. But mm-hmm. he has a hard time kind of deal and con- you know, conforming to, you know, Neil Page, you know, because right. Neil, Neil's like, stop, you know, just, you know, just be this way. So it's, that's, it, it follows that theme throughout this film. And it's towards yeah. the end, I think we get to a point where both of them realize it's like, hey, there's more to what I see just on the surface of people. Yeah, that, that was in their second hotel room together. In the first hotel room together, they have a, a big blow up where, you know, Neil really, he, he tells Dell all about himself and, you know, you know, as as a rich white guy, you know, is what he's going to do. Uh, and then, you know, Dell offers some insight of his own and he kind of lays some insight into Neil and, you know, calls him a cynical son of a bitch and, you know, things like that. And they, they kind of have their first kind of heartfelt moment where they start to maybe understand each other a bit. And then, you know, as the road trip goes on and, and the swings get wilder and the, the situations get more dire and more severe and more just, you know, hilarious and weird and funny. 
uh, they end up back together again in a hotel room this time. Uh, but it's a much different vibe. Like they're actually they're sitting around drinking together. They're having some laughs. Like they're really connecting. They really find out like the at the core for both of these guys. Like their their entire motivations basically are how much each one of them loves their wife. Yeah, well, and, that, like, and that's, that's really like the core of each character is like how wildly different these two are. They're really basically the same. Like you know, at their heart. Yeah, they're that's that's the scene where like you said, yeah, they're. It, it's tying these things together and it's, it's actually saying, okay, look, I've, I've begun to accept you because initially during that scene you're talking about, Neil sells his watch. It's a really, it's a really expensive watch just to get that yeah. hotel room, you know, where Dell doesn't have any of that. And no, initially he does not. you, you, you think that, that Neil has not learned a thing on this trip. You know, he's just like, I'm going in my room. Like we're done. I'm, I'm pissed. Like you burned the car up, whatever it was. And yeah, John Candy, this point is, is sleeping in, in a burned out shell of a car basically. Yeah. But he, but at the same time, that's when, I mean, like any other Christmas film or anything like that, you know, the, the hearts, you know, you know, the, the, the Grinch's heart grows three times. Right. Right. Neil realizes yeah. he's like, look, he's like, this guy has gotten me this far. I, I got two beds in here. I'm going to, I'm bring them in, you know, and that's, and you're right. Yeah. And yeah. then they just have a sit down. Like they just, you know, because Del Griffith is a uh, traveling salesman. He carries like this bag of like liquor. And, like just, Naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just the airplane bottle. I, I assume it's yeah. probably like airplane bottles. Like he's gotten on the airplanes and he just kind of stores them. Um, but yeah, so they're 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 kind of just drinking and just having like discussions about you know yeah this is what I'm trying to get to this is my family and you know blah right. blah blah and yeah, that's that's when you start learning a little bit more about John Candy's character you know yeah. and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's ultimately just he and his wife you know doesn't have kids but you know Neil's got a a few yeah. Yeah, and and they're just kind of learning a little bit about each other, having a civil conversation. You know, yeah, it's it's one of those life lessons that everybody can learn. Like everybody's got somebody that they work with, or you know, they got a family member or or something. That, you know, somebody they just it just rubs in the wrong way. But a lot of the times, you know, I think we can also learn that if we just sit down with each other, just kind of have a discussion, we can probably find common grounds someplace. You don't have to like hang out with them all the time. Like I, I can, I can appreciate Neil's problem here. Cause like, yeah, all the shit that's gone through. I mean, Neil gets the shit beat at him throughout this film. So literally once, I mean, yes, gets beat up, gets picked up by his balls. Yeah, he does. But yeah, I, like I appreciate it. But, but if there's that, that, that life lesson, as I was talking about, you know, simply talking down, just getting to know somebody helps ease some of those problems and get over right. some of those hurdles that we have with people and saying, OK, yeah, I understand where you're coming from now. It makes more sense. I guess a steamer trunk full of mini rum bottles and Doritos also helps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you're when you haven't eaten in a while and you, you're wearing the same <laughs> right. underwear since Tuesday. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's also a far cry from their first hotel stay where, like, you know, Dell like a total asshole, like goes in the shower first, uses all the towels. And, oh yeah. And just and it's, it's a complete, a like, I don't know. It's like, woo, the bathroom, the state it's in. Like, I I don't know if I'm sure people out there actually exist that can do a bathroom like that, but damn man, I it mean, was just like, it was bad. It was very inconsiderate. I left his underwear in the sink. I mean, yes. Socks were hanging over like the, the shower curtain rail. It was man. Yeah. It was gross. And that gets you once again, that takes you that as, as seeing the characters like growing here is like, you don't really see that happening at the second hotel stay. Right. Because we assume that like, you know, Dell has grown up and said, yeah, I can see how this would really piss this guy off. 
Right. I'm not going to do that. I, I can learn mm-hmm. something from him. Yeah. <laughs> so after this big moment, they're, they're finally, you know, they're really friendly. The next morning they get back on the road together and, you know, from traveling from New York to Wichita and whatever, whatever states they ended up in between. Yeah. Like so they, they really, they go from New York, they end up in Wichita and they basically have yep. to take a road trip, train trip all the way to Chicago from, oh, from, Chicago. from Kansas. And that's, that's yep. quite a ways. I mean, you got to go through Missouri, I think all the way through Missouri to get through Illinois and you got yeah. to go through halfway, half of Illinois coming that way to get to Chicago. So that's, a, that's a long, long ways to go. Between a train, a bus, a rental car and a milk truck. Like they finally get back to Chicago uh, on Thanksgiving morning, so it, it seemingly Neil has made it. He's just got to hop on the on the L to get home, basically. Uh, and as he's on the train ride home, he and Dell finally separate. Like Dell, you know, he seems to indicate he's going to go home as well, but he doesn't actually commit to saying it. And Neil leaves. Well, as Neil is on the train, kind of having a, a fond remembrance of the of the horrible trip he had with this guy. Uh, he slowly pieces together that something's not right about Dell's story. Yeah. So he goes back to the train station. He runs into Dell, and as it turns out, Dell is just sitting there. He's basically, uh, you know, he doesn't have a home as his wife had died uh, nearly a, a decade earlier at this point in the film. Yeah. So I mean, that really that adds a whole new layer to like uh, kind of like our heartbreak for <laughs> for Dell Griffith in this movie, and it really sheds a whole new light onto Neil. To whereas. You know, maybe if he had ran into Dell and gotten the story from him at the airport in New York where they had first really run into each other and had their first conversation, he wouldn't have given a shit. Whereas now, like the end of the movie, as you said, we get a, a pretty heart, heartfelt moment where these two, for some reason, they don't get on the train to go back to Neil's house. They just start walking together. So they're both walking down the street carrying this big-ass steamer trunk, this John Candy that they've had the entire movie. And, you know, Neil is bringing Dell home for Thanksgiving dinner and presumably for a longer stay, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah, however it is. And I, this is, I mean, this is I, I, one of those scenes that I really love in this film. And it took me many viewings to kind of learn what was happening here because yeah you see neil get on the train right and he has those flashbacks and really a fun fact about this was all those shots of 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 steve martin there were all outtakes that was just him sitting there in between shots just kind of like laughing about things people were saying but john hughes was like keep the camera rolling so these are these are natural uh, shots of Steve Martin, it, it, and it works. He he was huh, like, it works it so well that that he left it in the film. But wow. this is what I loved about it was because, like, yeah, he he's remembering all these things, and he's he's remembering conversations, these these deeper conversations yeah. that he had with Dell. And it, it took me a long time to realize this and put this together. But I think this uh, this is what Neo comes to is he realizes that yeah, we're trying to get home, right? But then he he realizes that no. He's like, I'm trying to get home. And everything that Dell has done has been in service of getting me home. Yeah. He's not, he, he, he's, he's, when he's going back to his conversation, he's realizing there's no, there's been no discussion about, Hey, what are you going to do when you get home? And you know, where, where do you live in Chicago? There was none of this. So it took me a long time to realize that. And that's how Dell comes to it. And he comes back and cause for the longest time, I didn't understand like, I felt it was kind of a leap that from just simple conversations that Neil like, oh, yeah, I know he's homeless. Mm-hmm. And it took me, you know, several viewings before I realized, like, that's how he puts it together. And that's, once again, kind of the magic of those John Hughes films. Like, he's able to, like, convey that through that, you know, and it took just an older me to kind of put that together. But, yeah. Yeah. Because, and actually, so this this scene was really some some reshooting because initially it was supposed to be, Neil dropping him off, but uh, Dell just following him home. 
but Aww. but they they were worried that you know i don't know i don't remember if i read it correctly and said that like the test audience felt it was that he was just too clingy at that point uh instead so they they, they reshot it this way and made him a much more sympathetic character and i think that's it, the way to go and it does it's clearly yeah absolutely the, the ending it, they have is the way to go it makes neil a much more sympathetic character too because he it shows that he cares he's not right. a heartless like wall street asshole right He's he's somebody who actually sees, hey, somebody else is hurting. I have so much I can give to somebody else. So we assume, right. yeah, he's he's taking him home to meet to have Thanksgiving dinner with his family, probably mm-hmm. to stay there and to help find him, you know, housing and yeah. you know, because the guy's obviously a worker. He he's a traveling salesman. He just he has no place, no friends, nothing at nothing to call home. And that's something they display throughout the movie is that he is, he is actually a really good salesman. Like they're actually, they're able to eke their way across, you know, across parts of the country all because of him being able to sell and, you know, sell people on things and sell his products and stuff. So he's, you know, he's got a lot of charm and I don't know, especially given at the time this movie was made, I don't know if they could have cast these two roles any better than what they did. I can't even imagine this movie being cast by anybody else. I, I yeah. can't see it. Like these two characters just fit the characters. And that's probably credit to each of them themselves and what they portrayed on screen. But I can't see anybody else doing this. I mean, Yo. nothing like I, like I'm trying to think of like who might fit into this role during that time. And there's nobody like you it's just, perfect. there's just nobody they there because it. these two are Kings of the, of the eighties. You know, when it came to certain comedies, yeah. especially comedies that like, you you know, you and I would love, you know, these two were, were it, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, because it's John Hughes, John Candy was a staple of John Hughes. Like I just, I just remember now. Yeah. He was in Home Alone as well. Right. Oh yeah. So that's right. He just happens to show up kickers. in this thing. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Just, yeah. This, this movie, like I, if you haven't seen, I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I've never really met anybody who really hasn't seen this film yet. Um, but if you haven't seen this, it's not too late. Um, you know, we're, we're before Christmas. I would recommend you just kind of watch this because it is really a feel good movie. It's, but it's, but it's got so many good laughs. We didn't talk about why this movie is, is an R rated movie. It's all for one scene in this film. Comedically speaking, like this movie is, man, like it, it, as much as we talked about, like like the the thirty something of it all, like you know what I mean, like the the dourness of of reality and just how you know grim and and everything it could be. The comedic moments in this movie are some of the best. <laughs> like you'll find some of these, like the scene you're talking about in particular. The whole reason this movie is is rated R is because of one in tirade that you know if you've googled steve martin or looked up steve martin on youtube i'm sure this clip has definitely popped up like in the first page or two how many do you know how many times he actually 18. drops okay he says fuck 18 times bucks yes i mean that, and, and how long of a period too it's only like a minute and a half or something like that isn't it's it? uh, it's probably under that it is probably within 30 seconds to 45 seconds <laughs> oh my god so this i mean this scene is classic like, like i said like you were just saying you google steve martin um, planes, trains. I, I guarantee this will be at the top of the list because yeah. it, it's just so 
so perfectly done because he's he uses playing it in all his form verb noun adverb you know what i mean and, he and has everything because he's playing against edie mcclurg and if you don't know edie mcclurg if you've, if you've seen funny. ferris bueller or any any tv show in any cheech and chong movie she's been in yeah she's there she's a hilarious character actor yeah. but yeah she's just playing this innocent car rental you know uh customer service rep and very midwestern yes and yeah. steve martin he gets dropped off at his rental car he the car is not there it's been stolen he has to walk back across the entire runway which which by today's standard like he would never have been able to do this but no he, fucking way he walks across basically the runway gets back there and just unloads on this innocent person yeah, he's there to pick up a car, and she tells him, like, sir, we're out. And then he just, man, he launches just, into it. Yeah, it's just, it's the, it, you feel so bad for Steve Martin throughout this film. I, I, I gotta say, like, it's, yeah, you can relate if you've ever had just a horrible time. Like, if you've just been on, like, trying to travel in the holidays, and you've had your flight canceled or delayed a couple hours, like, just mm. think how pissed you were then. But this movie takes it to 11, <laughs> you know, about like everything that can go wrong will go wrong in this film. But it's, sir, it's all in purpose of the plot. It moves the plot forward and you just laugh as you go. It's, I just, I can't recommend this movie enough. I love this film as a holiday movie. Anybody watch it. You, you will have so much fun with it. I promise you. Yeah, it's fun. That's a good way to put it. It's a fun movie. Yeah. So many good. I mean, just the cast alone in this thing is just is tremendous. Yeah, yeah, it, it, a pretty small cast too, and this one did pretty well. Like, uh, it was obviously very cheap to make, and it ended up making like almost fifty million at the box office too, which is you know even you know by it stand eight nineteen standards nineteen eighty seven was really good, especially considering for how little they actually made this. Money. I'm sure most of the budget went to just paying Steve Martin and John Candy. I'm amazed that it only cost fifteen million to make because there was a these guys had to move around to find places where they could shoot where there was actually snow on the ground. Oh, yeah, they I mean, were moving. That is a <laughs> hard sure thing moving. to do. I, I mean, can you imagine moving a whole crew, film crew, to no. a certain place? And then, like, when to you find a place, snow. yeah, you better hope. It's like, okay, I can shoot here, number one. And number two, we got to get the shot before, you know, the sun is wrong and the snow starts to melt. It's just, it's yep. crazy how much went into this film. I And... For all of that, like all the stuff you hear about this film, to see what really came out the end is just a credit to John Hughes and everybody who worked for him, including, you know, Martin and and Candy. I mean, they just, everybody, I think, worked their asses off on this thing to make an amazing film that, like I said, stands up today. I think it's, it's as funny as it was when I remember watching it back in the late 80s. It's, it's yeah, just great. That's fair. It's just phenomenal. And it, it, it's a pretty tight runtime, too. It's only like a 90-minute 90 90 movie. But now, thanks to you know Blu-rays coming out every couple of years, like everything's got a special edition. But now, apparently for this movie, they shot way more than what they included in the movie. There's, a, there's 47 minutes or something like that of deleted scenes. Yes. Like on, like they just put out. So I might have to try to dig around YouTube and find those to see how much, like, do they, is there a new cut of the movie or do they just include the deleted scenes as an option on it? I can't find any, any new cut of this thing. You know, there are other people okay. out there speculating that like there's, there's the films out there, but they don't have anything, 
you know, cut and, and made for, ah, for anything okay. else. I'm sure somebody out there has to own this thing. And I, I hope they do because I want to see it. Cause there's like Michael McKean in this thing, that guy's third or, or fourth build in this movie. There is supposed to be way yeah, he's more in the movie to, for like a minute and a half. His right? story. Yeah. There's way more to his story. Um, there was a subplot about Steve Martin and his wife and how his wife thought like, yeah, he's out cheating on me. That's why he hasn't come home. What? Yeah. Really? It was, there was supposed to be a subplot there. Um, like after their car burns, Jesus. Like, yeah, Neil and, and, uh, <laughs> and Del. And Del, yeah, they end up at a strip club before they get in the cab. You know, it's all sorts of stuff. Like, there's supposed to be a whole lot of hilarious scenes. I, like, we've seen the one of him just eating the hot dog, I mean, and smoking. And smoking. And, and, yeah. and shooting, <laughs> shooting the, yeah. the chili bean off his belly. I mean, <laughs> he's great. Just little things like that. Like, I want, yeah. I would sit down. Like, I, I have a hard time sitting down for three hour cuts or two and a half hour cuts of things. Anything without a habit. Yeah. I would do it for this. Like I would absolutely do it because it it seems like it would just be one ridiculous prank after another. It's just, I I would love to see it if if it's out there. So I guess we just got to keep a lookout for it. Right. Eventually it's going to show up. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I'd be really curious to see that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really glad they didn't include any of that stuff. That would have really made the movie like weird. There's some weird stuff. There, there is. Yeah, what it was right to cut around. And, and I think well, yeah, that's that's what a good editor will do for you. You know, they'll yeah. they'll actually look through and say, well, this doesn't quite fit. This is slowing the pace down. Okay, let's cut. So that editors out. matter. That's what you're saying. Is that that's yeah. a big takeaway from this? Yeah, you need some good editors. You need some good test screenings, and yeah, right. And you need a good director who's willing to trust. You know, yeah, his people that he works with. So. Yeah. And John Hughes is one of those. Yeah, really, really solid movie. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some digging out to see if there's actually any more Thanksgiving movies to include. Because the only other one I'm, that's leaping to mind is one uh, about a killer turkey. And, <laughs> thanks, you know, th- thanks killing? Thanks is that killing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I didn't want to use the title, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't, to, sorry I've only that seen one. that one the once. I'm not going to go back and watch it again. Yeah, so. sorry to give that one some free advertising. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I'll be interested because, yeah, obviously we're going to have to think of something next year, right? <laughs> so. I know. We, we blew our shot with. <laughs> Fucking with play trays out of the first well, year. Well, if any of our if any of our listeners out there like know of any like, well, I would say legitimate or even illegitimate, whatever you got, get reach out to us. Let us know what what you would think of any other Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving films movies. out there. Because I'm I'm stumped. Like I have a hard time trying to find any other films that really get you into that Thanksgiving spirit. If that's a, if that's a thing or not. Maybe because of just the one scene, uh, the the Adams Family, the second Adams Family movie, they have that whole th- Thanksgiving play. Uh, I guess like when the kids are away at camp. I guess that's that might be close. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really like reaching, but that's I mean, stretching. Yeah, yeah. I will. but I mean, but then again, but but almost any like like on the last year we mentioned a bit, like almost any Christmas movie. You know, as long as there's a Christmas scene in a movie, it could technically be counted as a True. like American Psycho Christmas movie. Like, True. You know what I, mean? I guess I get you're right. Yeah. But, well. well. I, I want to. I'm. I'm curious to see a, something real though. So a, a movie yes. that's actually you know, a Chris or a, a Thanksgiving film that that you know you, you want to watch routinely. Yeah. You know every year. Yeah, I definitely do. And uh, speaking of uh, movies that could be technically considered Christmas movies, we actually watched one <laughs> that it is set during christmas time though not actually mentioned in the same breath as a diehard no. even though it is a cop movie set during christmas time uh 1986 is running scared 
mainly starring Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal. But as far as the whole cast goes, this entire cast is full of people who are famous today. And, you know, and even back then, like, you know, these were a lot of younger names, like even not even younger names, like maybe lesser known names. But then, but now, especially like given how big some of their careers have gotten just on paper, this is a ridiculously good. Well, cast. well big is a stretch too. I wouldn't say any of these people that were in this film, like were just exploded on the scene. Dude, but, Joe Pantoliano is well, fucking everywhere. Yeah, there's there's few people. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's an interesting character in this one. But I, I was he is it's, Jimmy Smith's too, man. Baylor got that guy has been on it. You know, true, Dexter, fucking Sons of Anarchy, Dexter, like any Star goddamn Wars. Movie, I mean, yeah, yeah fucking a, right? He's yeah, out there. But it, it is funny. Dan like, Hedaya. We did, we did, we do have like kind of a a loose crossover from our previous film we just talked about there, uh, Planes, Trains, to this one. Uh, Larry Hankin. Uh, He's uh Oh shit, yes. that's right. He played like I I had to like I just recognized the voice when I was watching uh, this movie and I was like, that's him. <laughs> that's Larry Hank. He was also in Home Alone. He was in what that's right, he was in He Home was a cop in Home Alone. Yeah, he was Home Alone. I mean he was I remember he was in a couple episodes of Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, he was Seinfeld. Uh, he was the mechanic in Breaking Bad who hooked up like the, the batteries and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and in yeah. Seinfeld, he he played the the on screen uh, television version of Kramer on there and stuff. Oh, when they yeah when they the, the, the Seinfeld TV yep, show, the pilot. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, the guys out there, but that's that's what you, what you were talking about because you told me this. You said you're going to be watching this thing and you're just going to be recognizing random people throughout this, and you weren't lying, man. There were just like random people that I recognize, and I don't know, maybe people who didn't grow up in the '80s and the '90s may not recognize them as much but boy if you're in like you know kind of around our age and you probably watch as much garbage as we watch there's so many people in this film that just show up randomly in this yeah. film oh uh, someone else was on breaking bad steven bauer he was yes. uh he was don, don Eladio, Lalo, right yeah, yeah don Eladio, yep. yeah he was on oh, geez, i mean so many people Jonathan Grease, Uncle Rico, he's all over that uh, that White Lotus show. People will shut the fuck up about. It. God, I had to I had to really double check and see if that was him too when I first watched that movie. I was like, oh for I was sure, like, holy shit, that's him. Oh god, yeah, yeah, just insane. So yeah, so t- so go ahead and give me kind of a plot of this film because here's here's I, I I've got questions throughout. <laughs> it's this almost. Film, but... It's almost a bit Lethal Weapon before Lethal Weapon. Very whereas, much so. Uh, two cops who are almost too old for this shit. They're longtime partners on, in, in uh, Chicago Cops. And, uh, you know, they're both cut-ups. You know, they like having fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to – by God, they get results. They're always getting hauled into their, to their captain's office. But, you know, like I said, they get results. So as – they're going through their daily routines. They come across uh, a drug dealer played by Jimmy Smith, who they had previously arrested, who is now out of jail unexpectedly. And all of a sudden, he's super rich, you know, a big fancy car and all that. So as it turns out, uh, as we later find out through dialogue, he's making moves to become the first godfather of Chicago. The next like, Al Capone. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and so and that's it and as uh as these two cops are investigating that they, they want to you know they, they want to take him down they want to get julio gonzalez that's jimmy smith's character and uh you know after arresting joe pantaleano his character is a guy named snake they find out there's a big deal going down so they set up a sting well it's on this sting that jim uh julio gonzalez lets know and he must become the next godfather uh as it turns out uh, our, our two cops, their names in the movie are uh, Ray Hughes and Danny Costanzo, mm-hmm. played by Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. And as they're 
being led into what they think is a sting, it turns out that it, you know they're being stung by the sting. Like they're being got. You know, they're all of a sudden. You know, their guns are taken away. They're being held at gunpoint. They're they're dead basically. Well, uh, there's a sting operation, and there's two younger guys in there who essentially save the two older cops. And through a couple trials and tribulations throughout, like you know, the whole arrest, you know, uh, some criminals are caught. As it turns out, when they get back to the station, these two younger cops are supposed to be trained by the two older cops as their replacements. The two older guys, they're looking to move on. Not really maybe looking to move on, but they're uh, they're at the end of their career, basically, is the sense we get from their captain. And so much so, he makes them go on vacation. Like, there's... <laughs> for this being a cop movie, there is a pretty fairly lengthable Florida vacation yes. scene. And I could... I see how... It, I can understand how it breaks the flow of the movie, because it's a good 25, 30 minutes of the movie, and it's, like, right... Right in the heart of the action, basically. It's like they're refusing. They're like, I can't leave Chicago. Like, they're slapping desks. Like, it's going to fall apart without us. And when they get to Florida, they're like, yeah, fucking Florida's pretty nice. We're going to stay here. So when they get, they, uh, they, they end up buying a bar, and their plan is to just go ahead and retire as cops. or like, they're done with it. You know, they want any part of it. Uh, when they get back to Chicago, it turns out that Julio Gonzalez is out on bail, and that pisses them off to the point where they're like, we're not going to retire just yet. We're going to get this guy first. And that's how the movie goes, is that uh, they their whole mission is to take down Julio Gonzalez. And through, I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody, but there's a couple of twists and turns. The, the big shootout happens at the, uh, the State of Illinois Center, you know, a big, Big final gun battle and all that between our heroes and, and the villains and, you know, this... the movie ends as it does. The, the good guys win and all that and everybody goes out on a laugh and everything. But I think as far as this movie goes, it's it's got its charms to me because while it is an 80s cop movie technically, it's not an 80s cop movie you'd be expecting. Like, especially from the two stars of the movie like neither one is an action star like neither one is a stallone or like schwarzenegger nothing like that so the action scenes in the movie are at a believable level i guess for people who are not but you know but even like still what's a believable level like they're not they're, they're not doing die hard motorcycle jumping over helicopter scenes in this movie no like, i mean the they're, but they're on very... ropes or something and there's you know yeah. some some you know Okay. Yeah, cars I, I guess running the, around, but I mean, yeah, I guess that part was kind of dumb. I guess it's not as over the top action as what as some other '80s movies are to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. I agree. So this for, for me, this movie when I was watching it, I what I just had this kind of epiphany is like this is, you know, forty eight hours, um, yes. 2.0, Right. This is it completely takes from that movie from 1982. If you haven't seen that one, it's a, it's, it kind of, I would say kind of starts the buddy cop thing, you know, the That's odd couples fair. together, but it's, it's yep. really hilarious. It's just, it just works. Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. I, I recommend going to see that. Um, but this movie yeah, kind of 1982, 82. Yep. Jesus way back. Right. Because look at the similarities here. I mean, this is both taking SNL alums, right? You had Eddie Murphy in 48 oh, hours. Yeah. You've got Billy Crystal coming to this one, you know, one's white, Ooh. one's black. You know, and it's just taking that 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 odd couple thing and just and putting them into random scenarios as Chicago police. And I I, I want to just piggyback on something you said earlier. It's like, by God, these guys are going to do anything they can to bust this Julio Gonzalez because yes, you, you watch this movie through the lens of today. 
you know, where, where we live in a world of, of police accountability or, or, or oh, attempting man. to make that. Like, these guys are just like, I don't give a shit about reading your rights. I'm going to nope. steal from you. I'm going to do yep. whatever I can. I'm just going to lie. I'm just going to yep. jack you up. <laughs> this, which mm-hmm. I don't know this for a fact. I've never been a victim of this one, but I'm sure so some of this bad still actually goes on in the real world. Oh, yeah. Um, just watch a documentary. Man. Yeah, I, I know this stuff happens, but, you know, it's just like. It's the epitome of what 80s cop films were. It's just this idea that cops are just out there to be the good guys. And whatever they have to do is in service of the greater good. So we should just let them do it. Mm-hmm. So I was I was really watching this and I was trying to unplug myself from the modern day sensibilities of this. And but I'm it's just, hard. I'm just like toss I'm just like rolling my eyes every time. And it's like every like four minutes something else is going on with these guys that these guys are just like i'm just going to kill somebody <laughs> like gregory hines when he, they're getting like held up at gunpoint by two amateur amateur mm. muggers you know but they're just like oh you threatened us can we shoot this guy for this you know and i'm just, oh yeah and i'm just like oh man they're like like whoa! Like yeah, I mean, this is Chicago cops too. Chicago has yeah. a pretty rough reputation for cops and, and police violence. So <laughs> and there was more than one joke thrown their way, Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines' characters about maybe being too aggressive while interrogating a suspect. Yes. It's like holy shit, man! It's like what are they doing to the guys they're talking to? They're just like t- like so flippant about like oh yeah, I, I get shot all the time. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just like, like this is fuck? not real world, guys. Like come yeah. on, but. You're right. So yeah, you you go through this whole thing, and this I was like I was like confused. Like I was waiting for the plot to really kick in, and I kind of realized watching this movie, this movie doesn't have like a very solid plot at all. Nope. This is a just a we're gonna watch these guys play off of each other and have a lot of good times. And that's exactly it. If I can give this film an amaz- any credit whatsoever, like the highest praise I can give to it is the chemistry between Billy Crystal and. Uh, Gregory Hines. Hines. I mean, these guys just play off each other so well. Like every time, you actually you actually buy these guys have been life you know partners for like fifteen twenty. Yeah, like I feel like these guys have been lifelong friends. The way they talk. I mean, they are just. It's so much fun. I mean, apparently they had really good chemistry off screen, so I, I it really comes through on the film. So it's is what kept me engaged in this movie. Because yeah. everything else, like the storyline, like I'm watching, try, I'm watching Dan Hedaya. Razor thin. Yeah, he's trying to play the the mean <laughs> cop, you know, but he's really not pulling that off. It's, no, it's there's 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 they're trying to trying to make this this storyline too about yeah this this kingpin right yeah we busted yeah. him and hey I see he's out on bail so what are we gonna do we just have to go bust him for something else right and they, and they never have explained how he went from street thug to no. kingpin overnight like there's no plot holes no, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. No, like I gloss over that shit nobody cares it doesn't make any like sense. how handsome Jimmy Smith is it's like okay he's pretty handsome I believe he could do it but but obviously yeah he's he's this obviously he's turned to this kingpin he's driving a Mercedes yep. but he's still mm-hmm. hanging out with Joey Pants right I like yeah who's a guy named thug <laughs> he looks like he lives in the same building where uh Chucky did before he died. Very, he became a doll. very like, much you know I mean? so. Yes. Yeah. But he's yeah he's still living in that little tiny thing. But he just because he's living in this shithole neighborhood, he he just hands off fifty G's to the guy in a briefcase, which makes totally believable. Yeah, I, yeah, totally just ridiculous beyond all sense. And they go and they just like take the fifty G's from him, right? 
Yeah, the, the cops steal from this guy right in front of him, it's, and then threaten to have him beaten by his neighbors. Yes. Like, hey, this is wild. It just, but there's, I'm with, like, if you're look, I know you've seen this movie a million times. Like, I, this is the first time I've ever seen this, and I'm just watching this. And I'm like, okay, let's, okay, where's the plot building? Where's the plot building? They take him back to the cop, the the the, the station, right? And they yeah, have like interrogate. You gonna tell us where your sources yeah. are? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. this is gonna build something. And then it's like, well, it's not. It's like they they like, go to a funeral. And like, then, why the fuck are they in Florida all of a sudden? What happened here? Yes. Like they go through all that stuff. They have that. Yeah. They have their shootout on the boat. They get set up on this thing, and that's this is where Joey Pants meets his end. Yeah, but, Joey Pants gets killed because he was gonna talk to the cops. So then, like, like this is the moment though. We're actually like our, our two heroes. They actually catch you know. Julio Gonzalez and they arrest him. But yeah, you're right. There's no, they don't interrogate him. They don't, no. they don't seem to, we just, like, they send them off to Florida. That that's plot just gets dropped. It. Like, I didn't even understand the whole point of the younger cops because they kept saying they were DEA. So I was right, like, but I was now like, they're supposed to be with yeah, their replacements or something, Yeah, right? why are yeah. they getting trained underneath this? It made, like, I was so confused by that portion. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I get it. Maybe there was probably something in the script. The script supervisor just wasn't paying attention. Sure. Like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, so I, I will chalk it up to that and saying, yeah, they were just young rookie cops. and Because right. they kept saying, like, oh, it's rookie mistake. They're a young guy and all that stuff. Right. But, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden. Yeah, you guys are, they were just as reckless as you were at that age. It's like, okay. Yeah. So all of yeah. a sudden, then it's just like, boom, we're in Florida. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. what the fuck is and, uh, and there's no cop stuff in Florida. These are just no. two guys hanging out on the beach, drinking and shit, playing volleyball and riding mopeds. Like, good screenwriting here is where you tie Dude. this together and say, oh, I found his like Julio Gonzalez's source down here, or right? Something. Be like, here's why, here's why we're really dead. Yeah, here. and, like, and this actually, yeah. or something happens. Somebody gets shot down there. Something happens yep. that leads our characters to say, "I have to go back," because right. all they're doing down there is like, "Hey, you know, we should buy a bar down here." Like, like the, the whole purpose of the thing is just Billy Crystal's character is, is trying to convince Gregory Hines, "Hey, we need to buy a bar down here." I mean, right? Not to mention, like, one of his selling points is like, "Hey, yeah, we just get shot at." screw this pension that we just have to do four more years. I don't care who you are. If you have four years left to a retirement pension, you are not giving that up for shit. Fucking A, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You're t- you're being like paid out the rest of your life. You're not giving that up. But right. he's just like, yeah, let's give up that, that pension and let's just move down here to, to South Florida. I think they're in Tampa or something, right? Key West. Key West. Okay. They're in yeah. Key West. And <laughs> yeah, they, they end up securing funds. For the bar. On roller skates, no less. On roller, On roller skates and belly shirts. Like, I don't understand how they get this loan, this small business loan, but <laughs> we just go with that, too. It's like, yeah, well. Especially with all their experience in running a business. Yes. Yeah, their experience with living in Chicago, no less. Right. Not I think, I think the, the most grating part of this entire scene, though, like in Florida, like they spend some time in Florida, but a good portion of it is set to. A, a theme song and it's fucking Michael McDonald yes. and Christ man like, I know this song yes he's a pretty 80s singer but damn dude it's his yacht rock at this fucking scene is so goddamn annoying man oh I fucking it drives me crazy yeah. every time I watch it to me I, what I what this feels like is I think the, the cast and the director and some of the crew got together and said you know we could use a vacation so we'll have to go shoot on location in Florida for a couple of days because they were shooting on location in Chicago which and right. it looked pretty cold I mean, in the winter time yeah, yeah I did read that some, some of the days that, that it was supposed to be snowy they, they didn't have snow so they had to use foam 
you know, to, to oh, make fun. that. But still, if you ever been to Chicago, you know, yeah. anywhere near the wintertime, you know it's cold as hell there. So yeah, it I fucking sucks. guarantee those guys just went to uh, whatever studio produced this Key thing West, yeah. and just said, hey, we need a few days down there. And that's all they did is they just had, they just shot a bunch of shit and they were like, well... We've got to fill the movie with something, so let's yeah, put this They look like they had a great time. They went deep sea fishing, fucking, it's like, this is a pretty good job. I mean, here, they guys. went out there and they bought random t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. just, just ridiculous. I mean, like, I, I, the only reason I enjoyed that scene is, once again, is because of the chemistry between those two actors. For sure, because they look like they're actually having fun, which, yes. I mean, given they probably were actually having fun, so it wasn't too hard to act. But when they get back to Chicago, it's obviously still Chicago, It you know, in December. It's like two degrees. It fucking, it's terrible. And just because this guy gets out of jail, they're like, oh, we're going to go back on the job. It's like, you literally just sold your pensions like a week ago. Like, yes. Just go back to Florida and fuck off. You're you took out a business loan that nobody is, right. is going to be like, oh, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. You just sit on that stuff. Yeah. So they, when they go back to work, like it, when they go back to the job, they have a couple of weeks until they move back to Florida. It's, this is when they're they have some kind of a weird moment where they start actually wearing like bulletproof vests and shit. They start being cautious. Like all of a sudden, yeah, they, the have, they have a sense of morale or, or mortality. Right. Now. They're like, oh, my God. Yeah, we right. could die. We have actual yeah. plans now. And Billy Crystal gets shot at this point, right? By one of the younger guys. Yes. Like, just <laughs> like as soon as he gets back in Florida, like he gets shot right away. That would have been the sign of like, yeah. okay. Right, like, like these okay, guys are go. so Let's go back to goddamn cavalier. They're like, you prop my partner. It's like, well, you know, it could have been you. <laughs> right. Well, he was standing there, asshole. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, like I, I, I like this thing, man. I, I continuously was having a hard time unplugging myself from the yeah. modern day and saying that's like, fair. like I know today, like if anybody fires a shot as a cop, like that's it. <laughs> Everything stops. It's like, everybody goes on suspension. You know, and just yep. like, so these guys are just like, Oh, I shot each other. It's like, yeah, we're just going at it. Oh, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. But I don't, I, I still don't understand. Like they're trying to connect Julio, you know, to, Drugs being brought in from Colombia. Yes, and I don't understand where they're doing this. It's just like I feel like what's just the connection? Randomly yeah. showing up at places. That's why I was like leaning on you for this one because I was like, was there something I missed out of this thing? That, nope. Okay, nope. so it's you just, saw every second of the movie. Just it's fine. just like these young rookies had found this house <laughs> and they were gonna do a drug bust and. Yep. That's it. They don't actually. Why this? Why this kind of separates itself as a cop movie? Because it's a cop movie that doesn't actually show any cop shit. No, like there's no detecting being shown in this movie whatsoever. It, it shows they just you, show up places like done. Yeah, it shows you what an '80s cop film is known for. An '80s action film is like right. shooting guns. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, there's no real detective work going on here, no. or if there is, because somehow they also track down a smuggling operation. Like, like they they somehow oh, learn yeah. that his drugs Fuck are coming me. in from the airport. Yep. But somehow there's a fake airline coming in. There was a decoy, but somehow they figure out. They figure out the decoy after they busted the after they busted the decoy. They went back and found a, a statue in a suitcase and. It broke, and they somehow figured out the statue was made of cocaine. And and, and okay, and let me let me just put this out there on this scene because this scene made no sense to me either. These this the father and nun, yeah, Catholic father and nun were bringing in these things for Julio because they were like, oh, Julio gives us lots of money for our our workout in uh, Colombia. So we bring him. So he, so he, they bring him all this stuff back. Mm-hmm. And tell me why? Why were these statues filled with sand? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> 
because it's like it was like the big moment like oh one they break it open and they're like oh what's in here oh yeah it's... like a russian nesting doll they're supposed to be just bags of cocaine they're like we got you julio yeah and then it's like oh there's none. there's sand in here and it's like oh yeah. we got you yeah you know and i was just like why were they filled the sand it didn't make no sense yeah, I don't get that. And, and then, then, like, literally, like, they break one and it chips away, and they're like, oh, that's not plastic, that's cocaine. It's like, why the fuck? <laughs> like, 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 they know that, too. Like, they're, like, like right. tasting it and stuff, and it's just like. Yeah, that's one thing that's weird about cop movies from the 80s. Like, you always see them taste yeah, it. Like, what the fuck, fuck are you doing? Yeah, like Axel Foley, when he finds it, like, he's dipping his finger in there. Right. Tasting it, it's just like. Dipping a pinky, licking away. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just like, what the hell, man? It's yeah. just, it's, oh, God. But yeah, so but but then it does take us to the quote unquote action scene of this film where there's a big car chase that ends up on the elevated train lines. That was pretty cool though. <laughs> Which I like I, I get it. All they did is they just put a camera on the front of a train and yeah, let it drive sure. around yeah. Chicago. <laughs> That's definitely all they did. But you know, but it was like it was kind of cool watching it. Like I don't know how anybody's tires would have held up to that. Apparently they went through like three cars, you know doing the shots oh, that, just that were that. actually yeah, on yeah, tracks. Yeah. yeah, it, like, just uh-huh. rips up the tires. Yeah. But it does have a good ending where they, like, the car gets, like, Julio's car gets smashed up, you know, underneath a train and stuff like that. But... Yeah. But I don't remember. But he gets away. They get away, right? Of, yeah. Yeah, Julio gets away again, but they manage to, to, to capture all of his drugs. So then Julio... Uh, there's a running theme throughout this whole movie where uh, Billy Crystal's character is... He's trying to... He still loves his ex-wife, and she's getting ready to get remarried. Yeah. Uh, well, she then ends up getting kidnapped by Julio Gonzalez, uh, you know, by his thugs, and he wants to trade the drugs for for his ex-wife. And this is, you know, one of the other questionable things, whereas they legit just steal the cocaine out of yes. evidence. <laughs> like it's nothing. Just... Yeah. I mean, they lie, they forge, fucking, they just get it all out of there. Like, no repercussions. They're just good to go. And then during the final shootout, they just destroy it. They're just like throwing it everywhere. From, yeah, from, like, they're in an elevated uh, building. He's like on the third floor. It's like a big open glass like area where you can look down and you see the ground floor. He is just dumping these garbage bags full of drugs down. They're They're just just, smashing on the floor, going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, no, it's fine. Millions of dollars. Yeah, no, no care. Yeah, evidence of a, of a real crime yeah. going on. Like, right. Yeah. No, it's fine. Like huge, huge felonies. But you know, who yeah, cares? Yeah, yeah, for right? sure. It's it's just you know evidence. Yeah. Who uses it? So as it's literally raining down cocaine, uh, it also rains down Gregory Hines, who who comes down from his like a zip line or not a zip line, but like you know he he repels from the the top floor of this giant building in Chicago. It's a giant glass then, building. Know, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, a big gunfight ensues and our heroes uh our heroes win the day. But it's it's pretty eighties cop movie in that they just shoot everybody. Yes. Like they don't arrest anybody or nothing. They just fucking annihilate everybody. And not one siren in the background, not one other nope, fucking no police backup. car shows up. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Like in, in this movie actually they get pissed when somebody calls backup. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. They don't want it. They get upset. Like one other thing too, like you know, this is an '80s film too. When in this film, uh, Billy Crystal's character inherits forty thousand bucks, and Gregory Hines is like, "Man, you are rich, brother!" Right? You know, he's like, "What?" He's like, look at you. You just got groceries for the next six months, man. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, he retired on forty grand. Yes. He's like, "Fuck it, high life. I don't need to like, work that's a day in my life." Did he take again. some of that forty and just use that as collateral for the loan they got or something? I, I couldn't really figure it out. 
flip a coin, man. I don't. They don't bother explaining like, any of that. Nothing shit. is really explained in this film at all. Like zero. Yeah. I, like I want to kind of like recommend this because I I know you really love this film. Like this is like you would go back to this and just watch this because it's entertainment. And I get it. I've seen it a couple times this year already. I get the entertainment value of it, but I wonder if this is a film that I would ever I would ever really be able to go back and watch again because it's oh just, probably not. Like the the plot is it's fuck it it's razor thin it's, man. It's, yeah, you it, just it, it's it's it, yeah, razor is 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 maybe insane. It's too wide, man, because it is. Like I get it's what one they're of those movies to, to where you're not. If you could just sit and just enjoy what you're looking at and not think at all, like try to watch it like the first time you watched it, maybe like if you were like 12, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you don't maybe consider plot too much. Because I don't know about you, but I was a pretty dumb kid. So like I didn't consider plot, nothing, everything Neither made sense. I. I was fine. Yeah. So when we were I try to take that approach now is like watching these older movies again these days. It's like, don't watch it too critically. And that's a lot of things we watch, I'm going to absolutely detest. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. I think that's the thing I have yeah. the hardest time with. I did. It's hard, man. You're right. Myself. I did. Yeah, it's. Man, it's it's really it's splotchy. I guess <laughs> it's the fucking plot in this. Yeah, because it's really splotchy. You know, I I I generally don't have a problem going back to Lethal Weapon, which is only a couple years later, right? Or even hell, the next year it came out. It was the next year, yeah. And I get it. Like even in that movie, the the everything is kind of paper thin and kind of ridiculous. A bit, but know. I guess they just the action's better. Maybe I think. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Um, is is it? Yeah, and it, 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 I saw that when I was a kid too. So I mean, maybe that's why I have a you know a, a, an affinity for that film. Yeah, I saw this one pretty young too. But running scared. Yeah, this one when I like watching it now, I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, I, I just I don't know. But that's it. <laughs> if you're gonna go back and get to watch it, I, I will. Tell you, I I don't hate it enough where I would say like I I wouldn't recommend that somebody else doesn't watch it, right? Because I I think it is it was fun simply just to watch the antics of Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Fun is the best way to describe yeah. it. It's because fun. these it's guys just like rip on. Like I I really want to know how much was scripted compared to how much these guys were just riffing it. That's an excellent question. And I, I'm leaning. I just feel very confident saying that these guys, they just said, turn the camera on and let and just do the scene the way you want to do it. And I guarantee they probably just used those scenes because yeah. it, they, their chemistry is just so damn good. They just yeah. they work well with each other. If you can turn off your brain and just say, yeah, forget about the modern sensibilities of, of policing, whatever, you, whatever side you come down on that stuff. This thing is a roadmap of, is, just vi- of just police violations. Yeah, and, basically. If, and if you can turn off the, and not have to worry about a plot and just understand that, yeah, these are just cops yeah. and have to bust somebody for the purposes of cleaning up the streets from drugs. Yeah. You will probably enjoy this. And, and by the way, if you love eighties action films, you, you, you kind of have to love all those kind of things to really, get something out of this that said i will say yeah. that, but this is something if if you're if you do like 80s films I, I think this is a a film that you would you should watch just just to say you've, you've checked this off yeah it's a pretty quick running time too only an hour uh, uh hour 47 so yeah it, well, yeah it wasn't too long so i wasn't checking no. my, checking the clock and seeing you know how the long, florida how scene helped break the monotony of the police movie yeah you know <laughs> I mean, like I, I get like I, I love a lot of '80s crap, you know. I guess, I guess I can say like I probably like Lethal Weapon because you know Shane Black wrote that thing instead of 
you know. Did he really? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah, Shane Black. Yeah, Monster Squad, everything else. Really? He's, yeah. yeah. Predator. Even in the Predator, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to star in that one, so. Damn, yeah, no shit. Yeah, Look at that. Maybe, maybe that's why that, that film works for me better as a <laughs> Christmas, you know, action film. I mean, he's a better, movies. I want to say whoever wrote Running Scared might have primarily written for TV. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking that up now and seeing who is actually the writer. Gary DeVore and screenplay by Jimmy Hudson, who actually is. He also Hudson. wrote Raw Deal and a bunch of TV game shows. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. screenwriter here does not have a lot of stuff on his, on his, uh, yeah. Credits here as, as screenwriting. So writing and editing, I guess, is are, are really key for a good movie. This is the big takeaway. Yeah, but I guess if you're in the '80s and you just you're making an action flick, you know, you, as as we know, we've discussed other films on this thing on this show. Right. You know, you don't necessarily have to have a great screenplay to have an entertaining '80s action film. Right. And that that I you think know, that'll be my final thought for this is this was just an entertaining film, and that's that's what it was. It was fun, yeah. Yeah. You know, oddly enough, uh, grown up around my house, we we watched Die Hard on Thanksgiving Day. We, really? Die Hard wasn't. We didn't watch Die Hard. Is it, you know, it was, was a Christmas movie. Like that was the Thanksgiving movie we watched. Yeah, this is. I mean, that is definitely a Christmas film to me, for sure. But like that, it always conjures like thoughts of Thanksgiving to me because like as soon as you know, as soon as like you know the bird went in, fucking John McClane was there to save the day, basically. I guess so. I mean, yeah. I'll give you that. I think I think that should be something we can discuss on a future episode here for holidays. Okay. So speaking of which, I know we kind of mentioned this briefly, like off air. Like, would you, if we do Die Hard one, do we necessarily have to do Die Hard two, or would it be more entertaining if we just skipped one and went right to two? <laughs> oh man. So not to show my hand too much on this, but I will say that yeah, Die Hard one is an incredibly awesome film. And then Die Hard 2 is like everything I want to laugh about what this what the thing became. Um, Die Hard 2 has yeah, it's it's there, totally like there are some moments. Hmm. There are some moments there are. but there there's a way more a lot of ridiculous moments in that film. I I would I mean I could watch both of them because I, I could, but I I'd prefer to only do one if we have to, because I mean no offense to William Sadler, I don't want to see his ass again. No, you don't want to have to bet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to pick one, I would go with the first one myself. I mean, if, if we're going to see like a, you know, a weird naked, you know, guy doing Tai Chi, could we at least do fucking Martin Sheen from Apocalypse yeah. Now or something? Just instead of doing Die Hard right. William Sadler is no Alan Rickman, so that's right. all I got to say. Yeah, Alan Rickman was pretty fucking great in that movie. God bless him. I love that. I'm looking forward to, to the Die Hard watch. Very yeah, excited for that. so we'll get that in for Christmas as a uh, Christmas bonus for everybody. Because um, I and I would like to, I, I want other people's opinion out there. Please write us and let us know. Do you consider Die Hard a Christmas film? I kind of feel like majority of people are going to say that it is a Christmas film, but I would love to hear people's argument on both sides of that. For sure, it is always ongoing with other people I talk to. Yeah, it really depends on the person. And like I said too, like you know, if even if it just nudges Christmas, you could technically give it. Yeah, and that's where I, I always have a hard time. Does it? Is this actually nudging this movie, or is this movie like really just yeah, engulfing it? Um, mm. You know, I I feel like there's some criteria that's got to be involved with it. But yeah, I've 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 listened to many people, you know, talk about it, write about it, whatever, and everybody's got great points on both sides of it. So it's it's. I, I will say I, I come down as, on Die Hard as a Christmas film, and it's definitely worth a watch for the holidays. For sure. So we got that one coming up. Are there any others you want to do? 
Oh, of Christmas. Are there any ones like you watch in particular? That is there one you watch that maybe like a lot of people don't like Christmas. Like like for Christmas? Yeah, probably not. Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't really have a lot in the Christmas library that I would watch myself. You know what's one movie that I've I think they initially build is not. It was being marketed as almost like a, not a diehard replacement, but in the diehard, like, this is a big action movie for Christmas time, you better buckle your fucking seats, that uh, you haven't really seen since it's released because it's not streaming anywhere ever, is uh, Reindeer Games, starring Ben Affleck. I saw that a long time ago. I know, I don't remember a thing about it, but... <laughs> I remember it being bad. I know That's that. That's I remember. Yeah. I remember It might watching... have been one of those where, like, you know, we actually rented it, like, on a, on a tape, maybe. I yep. don't know. Yep. I don't know. I definitely yeah, I don't, don't I can't tell you, like, even, like, holiday movies I've never, I haven't seen advertised in forever, or, like, anytime you HBO Max, like, look, here's all the holiday movies we recommend for you, or same with Amazon, Hulu, whatever the fuck. I have never, not once, in the past 15 years or whatever, had, uh, had Ranger Games recommended to be something to watch. And that's probably did, for good reason. Did the studio just bury that movie entirely yeah. after it came out or like, what? Just stick to the traditionals, man. Watch Charlie Bound Christmas. You know, oh, It's a Wonderful Life. You could watch that. Frank Capra. Like It is cheesy as hell, but it's a great holiday movie. I got a riff trash for that. I might do that this year. Oh, it's probably well worth it. Like I said, that they will they will play that every year. And I guarantee you can find it you know, for free somewhere. Damn, Gary Sinise and Charlie Theron. Oh, they were in Reindeer Games too. Holy shit. And doesn't make it any better. Well, I'm just saying, it's like, that's, you know, there are some names in that movie. It's just, Jesus. It does not enough to save it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't, I, oh, my God. Is it on HBO Max that I just fucking oh, shoot myself? Oh, man, in the I feel here? like you are going, no. you're going to do it. You're going to, you're going to watch it, aren't you? There, okay. Where I'm looking at online to look up, because I wanted to see, like, oh, what about this movie? There's a link that says open on HBO Max, so I don't want to hit it and find out for sure to confirm that this fucking movie is available to stream, because odds are, if it is, I'm probably going to watch You're going to have to watch it, yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know if I can do it myself, because, like, if I'm, if I'm going to watch anything for the holidays... Oh, dude, it's totally on HBO. Oh, no. It's two hours long. What the fuck? Yeah, that's it. I, I would probably recommend that you pass on that one, but... Okay, wait, <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I misspoke. There's a, there are two different cuts on HBO Max. There's an hour forty four regular, and then there's a two hour and four minute director's cut. Well, as a true movie reviewer, you have to watch both. Have to watch the director's cut to to compare. Yeah. Oh shit, dude, that's like four hours. Affleck, man, that's a tall order. That's a very tall order. I. And this is, this is late nineties, early two thousands. Ben Affleck, like this. You know, yeah, it's probably cheesy, cheesy CGI. Yeah, terrible oh, acting. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 a mixture of all of it. So, oh god damn it. Yeah. So you have no desire to ever <laughs> watch this movie. You might have to really work to talk me into that one because I think the only other one that I will probably watch for the Christmas that I'm probably willing to discuss is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas Special. Oh yes, for sure. I think uh, you're all. Hmm. It was worth the time spent. To watch it, I guess. I can believe that. At least it's James Gunn, you right? Know, directing and all. You're the already like, paying for for Disney Plus, so I mean, they already got your money. Exactly. <laughs> and I, as well watch it. I, you're not paying extra to watch it, so it's not going to stand. Yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to commit more than an hour to it, so it's it'll work. Oh, the director's cut of Ranger Games. Jesus Christ. 
I'm willing to bet that you're going to end up watching it. That's all I'm going to say is you're going to end up Dude, watching I, it. Dude, I guarantee you I will have watched it within 24 hours from now. I'm going to get some kind of message from you, you know, within three days. You're going to say <laughs> I did. Sure. That's all you're going to say. It's just going to say yes or no. And you're going to know, like, yes, you should watch it or no. Like, <laughs> yep. It's just an emphatic yep. no. I'm going to know. It's Woo. two hours and four minutes. Wow, this is – all right. Gonna have to do some push-ups beforehand, stretch, yeah, do some breathing, yeah, get a nice good zone to watch that. Yeah, get yourself a big thing of scotch and just, just Yeah, for sure. It's the holidays. Whew. You gotta eggnog it up. Yeah. Reindeer games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait now. I'm very excited. Maybe I can skip Ghostbusters 2 now and watch Reindeer oh, Games. It's a horrible Christmas movie. <laughs> well, cause I try to get one bad one in, like you know what I mean? Like in Ghostbusters 2, that's a bad Christmas movie. It is movie. a bad Definitely, one. You know, yes. cause it's, it's during Christmas and it's, you know, it's pretty fucking. It doesn't. Crazy. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. But maybe I can replace it this year. I could shelf Ghostbusters too. Like you sit down, you're not invited to the party, and I'm gonna take reindeer games. Well, I'm calling <laughs> it now. Ten bucks says you go right back to Ghostbusters too. <laughs> <laughs> That's very likely. But I'm willing to test it out and see what happens. <laughs> all right, man. Let's get out of here. We have got a bunch of shit to watch. Everybody, we'll talk to you later. Peace. Can you dig it?